This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Isola by Kent. I'm not wowed. There's this precision, there's this calculation. The majority of the melody in this album is driven by the vocals. I mean, honestly, there's not, there's maybe one song on here that I'll skip. Uh, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me once again, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, this is episode uh, 106 of season three. Not our 106th episode of season three. It's just our 106th episode overall. It's uh, season three. And we are, we, are, we are on your first pick of the third season. You've had some good ones in the past, Jay. You've had some, uh, some crowd favorites. And you've also had some uh, ones that I have been uh, enthusiastically supportive of. This one, we're going to find out, are people happy about your pick of Kent? So my battery average right now is what, a thousand? Well, you picked the seaweed episode, I believe, and I didn't care for Uh, that. So I'd say you're batting about 666, the number of the beast. Or maybe I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure how many you've picked exactly. That would be a th- that would be three uh, two out of three. I think you're probably more at like seven out of eight or seven out of nine, maybe. That would make me the greatest hitter of all time. I'll take that. You would. You would be. So I, I mentioned Kent. We're doing their album Isola. Now, Jay, tell us how did you stumble upon this particular album as your choice? I'm trying to remember how I found out about this band. Um... Jeez, I don't know. Maybe Napster? Oof. I don't I don't know. Um this was the album that I found. I'm trying to remember where I found it at and that's uh maybe I, I know that um it was probably when I was fascinated with Swedish bands uh in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um so my thought is maybe uh I found it through Napster around then or a little time after that. Okay. And uh all I recall. And and you introduced me to this band back then. I remember you getting the album and show, you know sharing it, and then I believe that a second album after this that we both listened to. But it, it had probably been since that late '90s since I had listened to this record. How about you? Have you listened to it since then? Yeah, I think I listened to uh, the album after this, Nesta Hill, a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I've listened to it from time to time since then. Well, you mentioned they're from Sweden. So why don't we talk about the history of the band? History of the band. So Kent formed in, I cannot pronounce this word, Askilastuna. I don't know. The word tuna is in there, but I, it's probably not pronounced tuna because it's Swedish. They're, they're from Sweden. They formed in 1990. I'm not going to give you the whole the whole thing because... This is a band in Sweden that has sold over 2 million albums, and they've won 20 Swedish Grammys, which are, I believe are called Swammies or, <laughs> no. or Sweeties. Oh. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm sorry if I offended our Swedish listeners, but they actually hand out little Swedish gummy uh, fish <laughs> as, their, as that's what you win when you win the Swedish Grammy. Delicious. So they've released nine studio albums. 
between 1995 and 2012. Now, this is how we know about them. Now, all those releases were in Swedish, except they released two of them uh, as a, a second time as an English language release. The first one is the one that we're reviewing, which is Isola. It was released in 1998, the, the, the English language version. And then in 2000, the album that you mentioned, Jay, Hagnesta Hill, that was released uh, also in English. Both were released on RCA Records. Uh, the band has been uh, Joachim Berg on vocals and guitar, Martin Skold on bass and keys, Sammy Servio or, or Servio on guitars, keys, and six-string bass, Hari Monti on guitars, drums, and Guitar, drum machine, and percussion. Percussion, not guitars, drums. Guitars, drum machines, and percussion. And Marcus Mustonen on drums, grand piano, electric piano, and vocals. So there's a little bit of, uh, there's some multi-talented in terms of uh, playing on this album, bouncing around from different instruments. So I want to mention that uh, we did get some feedback. It didn't come via our Facebook page, though, Jay. It came via, via an email which is another way you can reach us. You can shoot us an email at digmeoutpodcast at gmail.com and we'll we'll be happy to read your feedback uh, on the air. So we got it from Eric Alexi, who was a suggestor for albums last season. And he said, quote, while there's not much to distinguish one Kent album from another, this is probably one of their best and definitely their most memorable album. And I... D- and I believe they're first in English. You are correct, Eric. Um, if you're, if all your favorite Radiohead songs are the singles, or if you remember Overlooked Pop, Britpop also rans like Pure Essence and Embrace, this is probably a must-have, especially when it seems to be found in just ev- just about every used record, star, record store's bargain bin. I haven't been to a record store or looked through a bargain bin in quite some time, so I can't verify <clears throat> that. But I'm going to uh, take Eric's word on that it's all my music acquisitions have been electronic for like the last five years except for maybe one or two i went uh maybe two years ago for the first time in probably jesus almost 10 years and i only looked at vinyl so i couldn't have told you you know what a lot of stores we went to i don't even know if they had cds anymore i think they just had vinyl it's weird how fast that went out of style jay he sort of gives some backhanded compliments with some compliments he mentions that you know if your favorite radiohead songs are the singles which is a good compliment because radiohead has written some pretty good singles yeah but he also compares them to brit pop also rans Mm. like pure essence and embrace then this is probably a must-have uh since you suggested it that means i get to start you do with this particular record and it's good that he mentioned the brit pop also rans i think there's some other um albums that actually or bands that actually work well with this sound but i I had a an interesting ride with this record because i I mentioned that back when uh, you found this record i actually listened to it and i was i enjoyed it back then i I, I, like you i think i listened to hagnesta hill a little bit more uh it has a little bit more diversity Mm and some i guess i would say they added some more sounds to that record that aren't on this one but this is a good record from what I remembered back in the day. So when I busted it out and I started listening to it again, I don't know if I wasn't in the right frame of mind, but I actually like hated the record the first time I listened to it. I was like, this is so boring. <laughs> and 
I was trying to recall what it was that I liked about the record. So I, I listened to it a couple more times, and it started sort of started to creep back in uh, what I liked about the record. But uh, I think my 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 criticism, I think, or my or my disappointment came from the thing that I noticed in in the space between the ten years or twelve years of listening to it from then to listening to it now, is that a, the majority of the melody in this album is driven by the vocals, uh, mm-hmm. the guitars, uh, the bass don't do a lot of the heavy lifting, especially the guitars, which is a little bit disappointing because there's a lot of cool guitar tones and they do some interesting little tidbits here and there. But I would say for over half the record, the guitars are completely bland and derivative of bands like, I don't know, like Ours and Travis and Coldplay. Like there's just not a lot going on. They're just sort of keeping the the tempo of the song with the with the drums but then there are these breaks where and it tends to be for me in the in the more up tempo songs where they add a little bit more melody to the guitars and it kind of breaks it up because he doesn't do a lot vocally with his range he kind of stays in his comfort zone for most of it he gets a little bit louder for the louder choruses but that's about it and i think for the slower songs it just kind of drove me nuts in terms of the songs that I really liked, if if you were here, I, th- I believe was the single that was pushed. I don't know if it was played at all, but in retrospect, now listening to it, it kind of reminds me of like a Silver Sun pickups uh, kind of song. It has a it has a real nice melody in the chorus, and it's probably the song strongest hook of any song. It plays that with that line, "If you were here," mm-hmm. and the way that they play, the way that they bend the melody in the chorus is really interesting bouncing it back and forth off of each other um, repeatedly. couple of the later songs of the album uh, Bianca which has like a bass and drum beginning um, they actually add some nice noisy guitar parts to that song I like that one and I actually like the closing song uh, 747 which is actually 7 minutes and 47 seconds long it has like this kind of U2 Joshua tree where the streets have no name or with or without you kind of feel to it and it's where the band sort of like allows itself to expand the sound and and i feel like they they stick to pretty tight songwriting 
structure and pretty conventional songwriting structures for most of the album. And that's one where they kind of let it go a little bit. Mm-hmm. But in in comparison to what Eric said, that this your favorite Radiohead singles, I think that that's more of the early Radiohead, like the Pablo Honey. The thing that this is missing for me is like if you listen to a song like Just by Radiohead, it's got that amazing guitar work by Johnny Greenwood. And I feel like this has competent guitar work, but I don't, I'm not wowed by what's going on with the majority of the guitars here. So I'm at a half yeah. and half with this record. Well, that's, that's, it's interesting. I, uh, you know, as I revisited, I was sort of on the same journey in terms of trying to, um, you know, this time around listening to it, pull it apart a little bit and figure out why uh, it worked for me um, in the past and, and obviously wanting to see if it would work again. What I came up with was, and the thing that I think is for me most fascinating about the album and this band in general, is if you pull if you do pull the album apart, you pull the the tracks apart. When the, you know individually, when you look at them, there's nothing that spectacular about them. So you you know you're sort of looking for that that guitar riff or that vocal uh, line or or whatever it may be that's going to sort of like you know knock you on your ass or make you you kind of stop and say wow that was incredible when you listen to the tracks individually that never really happens for me the sort of the magic of this band to this album is that when those things come together it's done in such a precise but not sterile way in such a just well crafted and everything to me perfectly complements each other that's why i think it works so well for me so even like the vocal while you know Again, the vocal track, if you isolated it by itself or if you really just focused on it, there's nothing about it in particular that's, you know, that incredible or, you know, he stays within his range, he stays comfortable. But the way that it interplays in terms of the melodies and even the sound of his voice, if you think about a song like OWC that has that piano intro and the piano kind of sets up what the vocal melody is going to be, but it doesn't quite exactly mimic it, kind of plays around the same theme. And the vocal melody comes in and it kind of extends that theme a little bit. And his voice is even really complements the tone of a piano really well. Like it, it almost sounds in the same sort of, you know, frequency range that the piano's in.
Uh, like a song like, um, I think, uh, let's see, I think it's, you were, no, I'm sorry. I think she said with the acoustic guitar intro, it kind of starts off and you're like, oh, this kind of sounds like the Verve. And then they, they layer in, it's just awesome, like fuzzed out, distorted bass. Yeah. The and bass on that creates really this cool. like sandwich of, from a sound standpoint, a sonic standpoint, all of these layers that just so well complement each other and nothing ever gets in the way i think that's one of the most remarkable things for me in this album is as you listen to it like nobody ever gets in anybody else's way they're always sort of doing something to help each other out and complement each other which I, I think i really appreciate quite a bit um even some of the if you listen close to some of the guitar stuff they do some interesting things with effects and like like velvet it kind of has a riff that's based on like a kind of an interesting um I don't know what effect it is, like a wah or something. There's all that kind of stuff going on. There's like little keyboard pieces and parts in there that never really take over the song the way that, you know, a keyboard can do sometimes, especially like an analog synth. You think about, you know, bands that use analog synth a lot, like say the Cars, you know, that's the best example of like mm-hmm. one way to use an analog synth. Like when that comes in in a car song, you immediately, like your, your attention goes right to it, right? And you're listening to that. The way that they do it, it just, it's always like, playing off of some other melody or accenting what the drums are doing and i don't know i i really appreciate that aspect of it and and for me there's moments where you know all of that coming together for the most part there's a moment like that almost every one of these songs where it all comes together in a particular way that it just i don't know it just works for me it connects with me um and i think the album still you know, st- sounds fantastic. Maybe One a bit of uh, nerdish trivia. Of what? It might be a question of taste, I guess, just in terms of like. Oh, I thought you said you might have questionable taste. No, well, <laughs> that too. And, and this isn't the type of music that I always like. I mean, there's a lot of bands that, you know, I think it's fair to say, you know, there's elements here, obviously, of, of Britpop. There's elements of shoegaze, you know. So there's a lot of bands that are in this ballpark, but most of them don't connect with me the way that this band does for some reason. I was going to say one little bit of geeky trivia. The song OWC, that's an abbreviation for the phrase um, Off-World Colonies, which is from the movie Blade Runner. Uh, So any of our Blade Runner geeks out there, you'll appreciate that. You mentioned stuff not getting in each other's way. To me, nothing ever stands out. That's I think that's the difference, is that I'm looking for things to go to the forefront, make an impact, make some sort of a impression so that I can say, you know, uh, Celsius is a cool song, but it's got this amazing part right here. But I can't tell you what that is because so much it feels like some of this so much of this album was like thought out. And like, this is where you take your 10 seconds of doing your little cool keyboard part, but yeah. it's nothing ever, there's nothing dissonant about anything on this record. Oh, no, 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 not at all. That's, it, I think that's what I'm missing. I, I, I need a little bit of dissonance somewhere in a guitar solo. You know, I was thinking about like Our Lady Peace. Yeah. Um, Cause that's a band that, although the vocals can be pretty jarring, especially on the first couple of records. 
the music tended to be fairly mainstream, but then you listen to like a song like One Man Army, and it's a pretty straightforward rock, alternative rock song, but then you get to the solo in that song, and he's all over the place. It's a really dis- like jarring and, and disjointed guitar solo, and it sort of that to me sort of makes the whole song. Is I want to listen to that song just so I can get to that guitar solo. And a lot of stuff with like Muse, more so in the early days when um, they were more guitar based instead of keyboard based. I would love I loved when Matthew Bellamy and I know I bring up Muse a lot, but I loved when Matthew Bellamy would like take a guitar solo and and make it all about noise and and weird finger tapping and, and you know throw in a little bit of classical and it just it was crazy do some crazy stuff this is to me like the perfect entree to like if you like Coldplay and Travis you're gonna love this record like it's it's in that safe nothing's gonna pop out at you nothing's gonna surprise you you're gonna get exactly the sort of pretty melodies that you're looking for yeah I think there's a dirtier kind of underbelly to this i mean obviously that that's a very relative term but it, it's definitely has a darker edge to it than something like anything Coldplay's ever done i mean the, even if you just even listen to the tones of the bass i mean it's all like distorted and you know there's a song like bianca i mean it's it's fairly it's pretty up-tempo and there's some you know rocking parts you know they play distortion lifesavers is almost a a shoegaze kind of song you know there's pretty heavy distortion on the guitars and stuff and that sounds like almost could have been straight off of the bends that guitar picked picked guitar part sounds like one of the non-single tracks from the bends
Well, sure. The song Unprofessional has the, the drumbeat from Fake Plastic Trees in it. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I kind of relate to it more like I guess a lot of people would electronic music um, in terms of, you know, there's this precision, there's this calculation, you know, it's very considered, it's very thought through, everything happens on a particular time for a particular reason and, you know, every tone and it is thought about the thing that I think that I don't normally like electronic music, but I like this because it's that approach, but human beings doing it. And it sounds like human beings doing it. Like it still has that sense of, you know, I'm listening to a band and I totally believe that this band live could sound exactly like this. And that, you know, these are all human performances and, you know, there's some drums on here that are samples and stuff, but for the mm-hmm. majority of it, it's, you know, it's, it's real drums. And I, I don't know, I, I guess I relate to it in that sort of way. Um, I'm not always in the mood to listen to it, but um, it's just, it's for whatever reason, it's one of those albums that's, that's always connected to me. And, and I think it's just that, uh, I guess that precision, I, I kind of appreciate it at times. And this is one of those albums that, that I do, you know, it kind of connects with me for that reason. So let me ask you this. This came out in 98 in the United States. Uh, as the English version, just, it mm-hmm. was not just the United States; it was the UK and whatnot, also. But the the, the English version came out. So here is my question: uh, Why don't you think that this did more? Uh, we mentioned a lot of the bands that this this one sort of sounds like, and um, you know, I mentioned like Coldplay and Travis, Muse, Our Lady Peace. This was right around when Hours and Remy Zero had albums out and Moist. Yeah. Those sorts of bands. I think this would have worked well with them, but it didn't. I, for some reason, it didn't. It just never caught on. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, most of those bands you listen um, listed, and even in your review, you touched on it. They all have singers that sort of have this. I don't know. I don't want to. You know, they're a little bit over the top in terms of their delivery or something about them is you know distinctive and they stand out from the band. And, you know, the guy from Our Lady Peace, obviously, you, you, he doesn't sound like anybody else. Uh, the the, Jer- uh, the Bellamy from Muse, I mean, obviously, he's taken Jeff Buckley to a whole other level. Um, you know, the guy from Ours basically sounded like Jeff Buckley. Um, you know, all they all either did, you know, vocal acrobatics or had some kind of unique singing style. And, you know, in terms of radio, they look for that kind of stuff. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, you know, people latch onto and it becomes identifiable and rememberable because of those characteristics you know this band you know in terms of american radio if you're looking for that kind of thing it doesn't have that layer that jumps out of the speakers at you like you kind of said you need to you need to kind of put on some headphones and sit down and listen to it and really get through a couple songs and let it absorb and all of a sudden it starts to grab you and you start to pick up on all the things and it starts to move you emotionally on that level it doesn't really you know jump out of the speakers and slap you in the face so uh, i think here in the states you know if you don't do that in some way, either vocally or with some clever lyric or you know something along those lines, you know, some incredible hook, you're not gonna get a shot. So, and do you feel like? Uh, do you feel like Agnesta Hill, which we won't review, but we'll just talk about for a brief second, did more? Because I feel like it was a little bit more of a poppier yeah. record. Yeah, I think it was probably more, uh, better tuned to American audiences. You know, it didn't do anything either, but it was probably a better fit. 
you know, I haven't gone back and, and spent that much time with that record to say which one I like better, but I would say it's definitely more pop oriented. It's a little bit more diverse. It probably was on better footing than this one was in terms of pop success, at least in America. So for your rating, were the album better EP, decent single? Oh, I think it's a worthy album. I mean, honestly, there's not there's maybe one song on here that I'll skip. You know, if I if I sit down and listen to this record, which you know, I would say it is a it is a to me it's a full record experience. You got to kind of be in the mood for it. And I don't know, I, I when I start listening to it, I want to go through the whole thing and listen to the whole thing. I don't just want to jump to one track. I, I definitely listen to the whole thing. And there's maybe only one song on here that I'll sort of have a itchy finger on and maybe want to try to skip. But for the most part. I enjoy the whole thing. Uh, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. It's actually a better EP. <laughs> uh, there are maybe five tracks on here that I'll say six just to be nice because there's 12. I'll, I'll say half the album uh, is worth repeated listens. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, tracks one and two. I think, th- I think it starts strong. I think Lifesavers and If You Were Here are both song, solid songs. Then I, I would go with Bianca. I actually like Before It All Ends, The Drum Machine. It has like a kind of smashing pumpkins feel to it in, in the um, when they would play the really slow and delicate songs and Billy Corgan wasn't doing that nasally, you know, goth yeah. vocal thing, whatever he does. Uh, and then I like Velvet. And 747, I mentioned. That, to me, would be a really strong EP of well-written songs, a nice you know, combination of fast and slow stuff. But the other stuff, it just was DOA for me. Just did not, did not do anything. So we're at a little bit of a disagreement on this one. No, I mean, you're wrong. But oh, yeah. if you want to call that a disagreement, let's do that. I mean, if you like, if you like bland, <laughs> if if you like your yogurt to be plain, or if you like your yogurt to have some fruit and some granola, like I do. Hey, man, a really good plain yogurt. There's something to be said for that. You don't always have to fill it up with a bunch of other crap. But twelve days in a row, you're gonna get a little tired of it. You're gonna want some. I, it, I'm saying there's this twelve tracks. A- I'm saying there's twelve bland, plain yogurts here. Well, I won't, you don't have to listen to it every day. You just listen to it like maybe once a month or once every couple months. I'm going to go once a decade. <laughs> oh, you're so angry. So that is our uh, take on Kent's Isola. That was a pick by Jay, his first pick of the new season, season three. Uh, if you would like to make a pick... Feel free to head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com to our request review page, and you can uh, see who has request or what albums have been requested this year, and you can make your own request for this uh, coming season. And Jay, you'll have some more picks coming up. Hopefully, they're better than this one because uh, I know people are going to be rioting in the streets when they hear that uh, you brought this to the table and your batting average has just declined. So. Now you're just against me. Now you're just trying to hurt my average no you got you have some good picks coming up uh, I'll, I'll give you that i'm not going to give them away we like to surprise on our picks and let the people know what the what the requested picks are going to be i mean be, i but... can take it i don't need your approval okay, that's good i'm glad you're secure in your uh hey hey i wanted to touch on real fast before okay. we go off 
uh, we made predictions on our football teams at the start of this uh, season. Oh, or, we did, sorry, did we? Start of the football season. How, how did you turn out on that? I think I said eight and eight. Right. Well, I six and ten. I said six and ten. We were five and eleven. So we both were underachievers, and both our coaches got fired. I was only off by one game, though. You were off by three or two. Two. And uh, our GM did not get fired. Did your GM get fired? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody so uh, so there you go. So uh, another superb season from both of our professional football organizations. And uh, if there's anything that Jay and I know how to do, it's to be pragmatically optimistic. Because you predicted six and ten, I predicted eight and eight. Neither of which would have gotten into us into the playoffs. But. Yeah, both were awful predictions, and we didn't even get to either of those. No, <laughs> reality was even worse. There was a point in the season where the Bills were losing, <laughs> were, were regularly giving up more than fifty points a game. That's how pathetic it was. Oh. Hey, the draft is only in a couple months. That's what we both look forward to every year, the draft. Hope, hope springs eternal. It's the only thing that keeps us going. All right. Uh, we want to say thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, if you like what you heard, mo- mostly on the music reviews, not on the football talk, uh, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. We'll be happy to uh, read it on the air uh, and, and give you some uh, some pub for that. And, uh, Jay, thanks again for bringing a uh, controversial and uh, interesting record to review. Hey, anytime. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages.